Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, did you know the nation's cow herd continues to shrink? We had the biannual cattle inventory report released on Friday, and it shows that we have less beef cows in the country than we had six months ago. We'll take a closer look at that report and the latest cattle on feed report coming up later in today's show. Hi, my name's Kerry Martin, and I'm a part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For Texas High Plains ranchers, it's hard to beat the combination of good rains and better prices. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A new year for Texas FFA officers as they create opportunities for the membership across the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. Golden rice can now be commercially produced. The Philippines says take it to the field. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have those details on Texas Ag today. We'll have those stories plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released its monthly cattle on feed report Friday showing less cattle in feedlots. Jessica Domel has the numbers. There are fewer calves in Texas feedlots this month. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, there were 2.77 million head in feedlots with a capacity of 1,000 head or more July 1st. That's down 5% from the same time last year. Producers placed 380,000 head in commercial feedlots in June. That's down 14% from last June. Texas commercial feeders marketed 450,000 head in June. That is up 2% from June of 2020. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA also released the biannual cattle inventory report on Friday. It's released every January and July. It showed that the nation's cow herd continues to shrink. In fact, it showed it's 2% smaller than a year ago. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagum says these smaller numbers will trickle down throughout the entire cattle industry. We are going to be having fewer cows, which are going to be bred probably in the coming months, fewer number of heifers, which are going to be entering the cow herd. Uh, This report already indicated that we were down about a percent on our cattle inventory. Uh, If we work through all of these numbers, we're looking at about 1.6% fewer cattle outside feedlots, which means, again, tighter supplies of cattle to be uh, placed on feed in the coming months. The number of beef cows in the U.S. now stands at 31.4 million head. 
For Texas High Plains ranchers, it's hard to beat the combination of good rains and better prices. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. We've talked about the benefit that farmers have gotten from our recent rains, but the moisture has been very helpful to ranchers as well. In fact, Pat McDowell says there's been a complete turnaround for his family's operation near Shamrock. Towards the end of May, it was so dry, we were trying to figure out what to call and what was going to be shipped to town. But in the last 60 days, we've been blessed with over 11 inches of rain, and it has just turned everything completely over. Cattle are good, grass is good. It's just truly been a blessing. And something else helping area cattlemen, an improvement in cattle prices that McDowell says has made profitability possible. The U.S. feeder steer price is $1.50 right now. I mean, that's the average way of an 800-pound steer going through a sale barn is, you know, is roughly $1.50. You know, that's $1,200 a head for that size of an animal. And if you can't make a little bit of money at that, even with the inflation and everything else that's going on, something's wrong. We're not getting rich by any means, but it should be a break-even or better. And things continue to look promising on down the road. The futures have gone up about 10 cents or so in the last 60 days. And we typically sell our cattle in May. And, you know, we're looking out at next May. Feeder cattle price is, is like $1.68, which that's a huge price. We haven't seen that level in years and years. And it's tempting to start hedging a few cattle at that price. The basis the futures minus the cash price is about a 10 cent basis. So, you know, right now you're kind of looking at locking in 10 cents a 100 under the futures price, which is kind of high. But still at this level, I think producers sort of have to look at hedging some of their spring cattle. More from Pat McDowell tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The new Texas State FFA officer team is in place and ready to go for the new school year. Tom Nicoletti visits with one member of the new officer team. My guest today is one of those new state officers. His name is Ryan Hess. He is uh, from Stephenville, representing Area 4. There are 12 areas represented across the FFA spectrum. And uh, Ryan, this is going to be uh, an exciting year for you. Tell us what you're expecting. This year, I'm mainly excited just to get out in those chapter visits and just to meet the members of our state association. Being an area officer this past year has been pretty difficult due to COVID, and there weren't many in-person interactions that I was able to have. And so this year, the doors are open for the in-person interactions at the state level. And so I'll be able to travel to chapters, not only inside my area, but also on the outside too. So I'm really looking forward to just getting to know our members and help have a positive influence on their lives. Now, you recently graduated from Stephenville High School, and uh, you will be uh, planning to go to Texas Tech University uh, in the fall of 2021. What are you going to be majoring in? I'll be double majoring in agricultural communications and political science. After my undergraduate degree, I'm hoping to pursue a degree in law after that and hopefully plan on pursuing a career in ag policy and hoping to create laws just to fight for our farmers and ranchers and help give them a voice in our industry. What are some of the messages that you would like to pass along 
uh, during your uh, tenure as an officer for FFA this year? One of the main messages that has really held true with me is to just live in the moment and create as many opportunities and experiences as you can because oftentimes we can get caught up in the smaller pictures and stay focused on what we're doing in those scenarios. And so it's important to just take a big picture scope of things and to just live in the moment and soak up as much as we can. Ryan, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, Is it an agricultural background and and, uh, what else can you tell us about that experience? Me and my family, we raised Senegatrudis cattle and my grandfather actually started that with him and my dad. And so I've always been around the Senegatrudis industry and being raised in that environment and being able to show those cattle. And so having that conventional background of my grandfather, um, although he is no no longer with me anymore, I can still carry that through uh, the blue corduroy and wearing that FFA jacket. And so that's something that I'm very passionate about and that I find inspiring. What about your high school experiences uh, in FFA? What uh, can you uh, relay to us that uh, stands out? One of the main things that I was involved in in high school was one of my SAEs or supervised agricultural experiences was an agri-science fair. And so I completed an agri-science fair each year of high school in the summer. And this really helped me in preparing for a career because even though I'm not planning to go into the science industry, it's something that has really taught me a lot about patience and how to write very um, educated essays and reports that I can carry on into my future career. That is Texas State FFA Officer Ryan Hess from Stephenville. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Golden rice has the potential to save many lives, and it can now be commercially produced. Gary Joyner has the details. There's big news in the food community. The Philippines approved golden rice for commercial production after two decades of development and consideration. It's the first country to do so. Traditional rice is a staple for over half of the world's population. Traditional rice produces beta-carotene in the plant, but the precursor for vitamin A is not found in the grain. Thanks to modern science and genetic modification, golden rice produces beta-carotene in the grain. That's important. Vitamin A is essential for normal growth and development and for vision. World health officials say vitamin A deficiency causes up to 500,000 cases of childhood blindness every year, with half of those dying within 12 months of losing their sight. Farmers will be able to grow golden rice exactly the same way as traditional varieties. The United States, Australia, and Canada have ruled golden rice safe for consumers, but they have not yet approved the variety for commercial production. The Philippines is leading the way to the field. It's a win for science. It's a win for food and nutrition and feeding a hungry world. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. A South Texas ranch family was recognized this year for their efforts to conserve wildlife habitat on their property. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have tips from one of the owners coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's common to use boots and leg wraps while exercising horses, but you could be causing tissue damage. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. 
Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans and all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A lot of horse owners use boots and leg wraps while exercising their horses. However, that could be causing tissue damage due to heat. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look. A group at Middle Tennessee State University performed a study to determine the increases in limb temperature when the horse was wearing leg protection. The researchers indicated in the horse publication that the horse's bare limb is highly efficient and aerodynamic. And when you apply a boot or bandage, it creates a microenvironment between the material and the limb that has an insulating effect. The rate of heat dissipation depends on permeability of the material used, the ambient temperature, and the amount of heat produced during exercise. This insulating effect can be detrimental to the underlying superficial digital flexor tendon, which has a higher core temperature than the skin and has very little blood supply, so it does not lose heat through the bloodstream. In the study, the researchers looked at traditional neoprene boots, perforated neoprene boots, a plant-based neoprene boot made with Stomatex, a cross-country boot, elastic track bandage, and fleece polo wraps. Results indicated the fleece polo wrap had the highest temperature and humidity. None of the limbs returned to normal temperature within three hours of removing the wraps, so heat was maintained for a long period and all treated limbs reached temperatures that could negatively affect tendon cells. The alternative sports medicine boot made of Stomatex was cooler than regular boots, and the polo wrap was the hottest treatment used. So you have to decide if boots and wraps in the Texas summer heat is worth protecting the legs from injury, considering the potential damage to tendon cells that could occur. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A South Texas ranch family was recognized recently for their efforts to preserve wildlife habitat on their property. Jessica Domel has the story. Each year, the family that owns the Dun O'Connor River Ranch in Goliad County sets aside funding to kill invasive brush, conduct controlled burns, and conduct rotational grazing to improve the habitat for wildlife and cattle alike. Morgan O'Connor, who owns the ranch with her sisters Kelly Shaw and Bridie Greason, says if you target making the land more productive for cattle, it also benefits the wildlife and vice versa. I think the most important thing we do is rotational grazing, which is a practice where you have smaller pastures and you move the cattle from pasture to pasture every couple of weeks. By doing that, you don't overgraze. Overgrazing depletes an area of good forages. I think that's the most important thing that we do is rotational grazing. And we've been doing that, I think, since the mid-80s, the technical rotational grazing. When we were putting that into practice at our ranches, U.S. Fish and Wildlife and 
Texas Parks and Wildlife were great partners for us. They helped us figure out where to build the fences, what size the pasture should be, where the water sources need to be. And then we did some cost sharing with both of them to put in the rotational grazing system. All of these efforts combined have led to an increase in wildlife on the ranch, including deer and the endangered Atwater's prairie chicken. We'll have more on that on an upcoming show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a slight pullback in the cattle complex after that big run-up we had on Monday. However, cotton prices topped 90 cents on the December contract for the first time in three years. We'll take a closer look at all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We kicked off the week on Monday with a nice run-up in the cattle market. However, we pulled back a bit on that on Tuesday, finishing lower in both live and feeder cattle. August live cattle down 52 cents, 122.92. The October down 77, 128.42. December down 50 cents at 133.47. Feeder cattle closing lower. August down $1.50, 160.70. September feeders down 82 at 164 even. The October down 50 cents, 165.95. Cash-fed cattle trade still fairly quiet for the week. We did see one report of a pen of cattle selling in Kansas at 119. However, that was about it. Uh, no other sales to report. We really don't see any asking prices developing from the feedlots yet uh, or widespread bids from the packers, for that matter. Box beef prices were higher on Tuesday. Choice up 272 at 270.65. Select up 292 at 253.84. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle beller, it's time to head to Cameron up on the Little River. Talk to Kenny Mingus from Milam County Livestock Auction, Cameron. Kenny, how was your regular Friday sale? We had a total of 2,099 cattle. Out of that mix, we had 388 cows, 34 bulls. 224 sellers and 101 buyers. Let's walk the pins. The steers under 300, 153 to 217 and a half. Three to 400 pound steers, 137 to 222 and a half. Four to 500 pound steers, 105 to 20250. And over 590 to $1.75. On the heifers under 300, 130 to 175. Three to 400 pound heifers, 110 to 172 and a half. Four to 500 pound heifers, 90 to $1.60. And 
over 580 to dollar 53 on the packer cows they added a little money back to those things got everybody back in the game from 40 to 79 on the bulls about steady from 68 to 96 we had those replacement females and had a big turnout for those on the bread cows from 660 to 2400 and on the cow calf pairs from 550 to 2350 what are we anticipating for this next friday i think we'll be busy you know, I've had a, I had a guy call yesterday with about 100 head, and the only thing that might kind of deter it just a little bit, Larry, would be if, if they can get in the field and cut the corn. They're getting awful close. I talked to a boy, said some of the milo's getting ready, the corn's getting ready. He said it's all going to be ready at the same time. I think if they can get to some cattle the way the market is, I think we'll have another pretty good run. If they don't, they'll sell them when they get ready. Stay current, folks. That's what we need to do. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny Mingus. You bet. Catch us at the office Monday through Wednesday from about 10 to 3 at 254-697-6697. You can follow us on our webpage at milamcountylivestockauction.com or catch us on Facebook. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. That's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thanks for listening. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close mix. The August contract up 7, 107.47. October hogs down 57 at 92.52. Class 3 milk was mixed. August milk up 3 cents, 16.60, 100 weight. The cotton market topping 90 cents on the December contract for the first time in three years. The last time the December saw the 90 cent level was back in June of 2018. That was back during the Trump tariff days. Now, the October has been above 90 cents for a few days now. It closed up 45 at 90.74. December cotton up 63, 90.23 cents. We had a volatile trade in the corn market on Tuesday. We were sharply higher at one point, mainly on hot, dry weather concerns for the corn belt. However, we backed it off and ended up closing slightly lower. September corn lost a penny to close at 548 and three quarters. December corn down a half, 546 and a quarter. The wheat market mixed with hard wheat higher, soft wheat lower. September Kansas City wheat up two and a half, 641 and a half. September Chicago wheat down two and a half at 674 and a half. Rough rice was lower. September rice down six and a half, 1348 a hundredweight. November soybeans up one and three quarters, 1359 and a half. August soybean meal up 520, 358.80 a ton. In the energy markets, August natural gas down 13 at 396. September crude oil down 31 cents, 71.60 a barrel. The financial markets lower. The Dow down 134 points, 35,009. The S&P down 29 at 4,392. The Nasdaq down 206, 14,634. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then, right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.